You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa, and Porama. Hey, Anissa here. This is part two of our conversation about celebrity, authenticity, and Korean variety. If you missed part one, go back and listen so you can hear all about how Saya and Pharma fell accidentally sideways into the BTS fandom. Also, be aware that in this episode, we talk about specific scenes from YouthMT, so you may want to watch at least a few episodes before you listen to avoid being spoiled. And also because it's just so good! Kim Yoo-jung, Park Bo-gum, Hwang In-yup, and Ji Chang-wook on a vacation, together! What are you waiting for? Okay, enjoy the conversation. We are now on to talking about how celebrities need vacation because the show that Saya pulled me into even before the whole BTS wormhole is in the soup frankation. And Anissa was that one too. <laughs> Yeah, Saya got us onto this with her um, blog post about how much she loved it. Tell us, Saya, about like how you started watching that, because I I don't remember what your like path to watching that was. Mainly, it just Warang. It was Warang stuff that was airing, <laughs> and I saw the cast and I was like, oh, I mean, it had Park Young-shik. It had Park. I mean, so here's the thing: I don't love Park Sejun, but I do love Warang. I mean, I didn't love Park Sejun. So yeah, right. <laughs> Neither did I before the show. I know, I know. I loved him and then I fell out of love with him because of like a couple of his recent roles. Like I didn't dislike him, but I was just like, ah, you keep doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, that is exactly the thing. It's like I had loved him in a couple of dramas and then he went and did a string of like unimpressive roles. And you're just like, yeah, I'm not in that. I'm not excited about your projects. So you're just a guy who does dramas. But then like, so there were all of these names of like people I knew. I mean, there's the the cast of um, in the Superincation is like five people. It's um, uh, V from BTS. It's uh, Park Hyung-shik, it's Park Sojun. It is Cheo-shik and rounding out their sort of friendship group, which I realized afterwards was a thing that I didn't know this when I started watching it, but like Uga Squad is an artist called Peak Boy who is actually Park Sojun's childhood friend from, they went to middle school together and he's a musician and like they are an actual real life close friends group. And so I started watching this and I must've just, I was in a, it was a time when I was not feeling great. I was kind of down and it just was such a gentle show and I watched an episode and I just felt so healed by it. It was like, huh, this was what I needed. Mm. And it's a very introspective show. And because, see, this, like, the beauty of this group of friends, I guess, is that they're all doing different things. So they're not, for example, the way that BTS are like one group doing one thing in the same space. These are five different people who are doing five different things, even when they're working in the same field. And they're not all working in the same field. Some of them are musicians, some of them are actors, some of them crossover. And then you have like, they're at different stages in their careers as well. And so you have all of these interesting dynamics between, for example, like real life age, you have the Hyungs and, and the Mangnes, like, you know, the single baby, <laughs> I'm just making rabbit expressions at the camera that nobody can see except you guys. <laughs> and then you have like the difference in experience 
within like their career uh, lives as well. And so all of these things kind of create such interesting conversations. And that is like, that's the sort of bonus in addition to their own personal chemistry, which is just like how much they care about each other is so evident in the way that they talk to each other, the way that they treat each other. And like, I don't know, there's just something very appealing about, you know, boys, I mean, men, <laughs> young, youngish, young and youngish, um, just doing things together at their own rhythm. And especially those like the this kind of, what is it? Like the emotional intelligence that it's just still unusual to me to see that kind of vulnerable relationship between men and I don't know it's just so nice I just felt so healed by it and there were the things they were talking about were things that I really sort of understood in a very personal way especially when they were talking about stuff like you know their careers when they were talking about there's this great part in episode three which I did for Sunisa to watch (laughs) <laughs> where they like all sit down and they watch um Cho Shik's drama, um, Our Beloved Summer. They just sat down to watch it together. And I just thought it was so nice the way that they could sit down and one, like they watched it and appreciated it and they told him how great he was, but in not in a, oh, you know, well done generic kind of way, but in a way that w- felt very meaningful because like they're people who understand the process the things that they were talking about were things that like a viewer wouldn't understand or know and then the things that they shared with each other about how they worked roles or like Puxigen especially man he's just like such a good young and then he turned up in youth mt and i'm just like oh i'm so happy you're in this okay so i will pause here and i'll let you guys take over so I did watch three episodes of In the Soup. I haven't watched the last one. I wasn't sure if I would... I just have been in a really like... Not just a drama slump, but like a TV slump mm. in general. I just find it so hard to watch anything these days. I don't know if it's because like real life is so taxing and busy and exhausting that like I can only handle like visual input only or audio <laughs> yeah. input only. So I find myself either like listening to podcasts or reading to unwind. Mm. Um, and like TV is like too much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But I was feeling I have been feeling sick um, for the last few days. And so I I think I've mentioned this you don't have past, to apologize for not feeling the same way about it as I do. Just putting that out there. <laughs> OK, I wasn't planning to, but um, thanks for giving me permission. <laughs> but I I've mentioned this in the past. And I, this is why I was smiling when you were saying it was like a healing experience, because I find that variety is what I want to watch when I'm feeling down or feeling sick like I don't want to have to emotionally and intellectually engage my mind with a whole drama that is like you know like there's there's conflict and there's tension and there's like plot that you have to keep track of when you're like not feeling good and you have a cold or you're just like having a crappy day like it's nice to just watch one episode of a variety show where like I don't know everything is fed to you in a really (laughs) satisfying way all of them get dumped into water or something yeah it's very and you know like to what you were saying Saya about seeing them be emotionally vulnerable. I thought it was really interesting how, I think it was Cheushik who was saying like, being able to cry when you're acting Mm. or like to cry about the, you know, he Mm. was saying like when he was filming Our Beloved Summer, like he didn't cry that much in the show, but he cried a lot while he was filming it. And he was talking about how like being able to cry through the roles that he plays as an actor is really cathartic because he doesn't cry in his regular life. And they were all like, yeah, that's really true. And I was thinking that's interesting because it's like Korean men are also, you know, in this like masculine culture that doesn't really give them permission to cry in the way that like most men in most cultures are not really given permission to cry. Right. But this 
medium that they do their work in allows them to do that without judgment. Mm. And in fact, often they get praised for it because it shows their skill. And he was talking about it as a kind of catharsis. And I just thought that was really interesting because it's a catharsis for the viewer mm. as well. But they were saying, like, you don't cry too much. Like Park Sojun was saying, like, you don't want to cry so much that you become burdensome to the viewer. You want to cry just enough so that the viewer is the one crying. Mm. And I was like, wow, yeah. that's deep. Very smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. I really enjoyed that conversation because it's such a peek behind the curtain. Yeah. And that's kind of like my favorite things. I remember when I was watching Roommate back a few years ago. And so Roommate was, it wasn't very popular, but it had a lot I of cast members that. that I really yeah. liked. It wasn't really very good. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be honest. It was it kind of boring. Two episodes but in. there is one part where, um, oh my God. The Reaper. What's his name? Yeah, Lee Dong-uk. That's. I think he was the reason I watched Lee it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he was talking to one of the younger, much younger actors who's kind of like at the beginning of his career. I can't remember his name, but I think he was like an idol and also an actor. And he was like asking him for advice. Um, or like, I don't even know if he was acting, asking him for advice, but Lee Dong-uk actually in a very vulnerable moment kind of shared that like he's struggled to kind of be authentic on screen. And I might be misquoting it because it's been a long time, but he really showed his like vulnerability in terms of like his insecurities about his own acting. And like, I was thinking, yeah, you know, like we've kind of been criticizing him for certain things. Mm. And it's like, you forget that this person, clear, he, he, they know. Yeah. Like whatever, you know, flaws they have in their acting or whatever, like they struggle with to, you know, to bring to the screen. They already know that. And I was like, oh, wow. But I was also like really happy for him because after that, he did some really amazing, like did God after that he did shows where like you could really see his acting improve and progress and develop and so like it does enrich the experience for you right because mm. you're like even more invested in this person's journey so that was that's kind of my favorite thing about getting to see these people in their downtime i guess so interesting thing about frankation as a whole the fact that these five are real life friends is that I slowly realized over the last few years how isolated actors are and that it's rare for actors to have actor friends. Uh, my uh, frame of reference is mostly, you know, Indian cinema and how isolated people are in Hindi uh, cinema world like Bollywood in that their closest friends and acquaintances all come from the crew around them their family and friends, the producers they're working with, the writers they're working, these are the people that they are mostly friends with. So actors tend to become very isolated in their craft and there isn't much exchange like the ones that we saw in Frankation. And also I've heard actors say in various interviews across industries that it's hard for actors to be friends with actors because there is that element of competition. Oh, your competition, movie did yeah. well. Oh, your mm-hmm, drama mm-hmm. did well. Mine didn't. That 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 feeling of jealousy and insecurity. And like, because they always go up and down at different times of their career. And it's always horrible to have like your career go down, yeah. whereas your friend group might mm-hmm. be doing really well. So that's especially emphasized in, in, in the, you know, in, in that. And they go really deep. In frontcation, they go really deep and it's just so like, you know, Cho Shik, for example, like I think he was the one 
who I felt the most for because he, like, it was clear, like, his insecurities came out really clearly. Mm. But at the same time, you're like, but we know him as a really good actor. But he, they're also very honest about it. The fact that not all of their careers developed at the same pace. Yeah, yeah like what Peak Boy was saying to, you know, they've been friends since middle school. And like Puxajan also as someone who actually came into that life and into fame later in life. So you, it just, there's so many interesting layers to to how that world exists for people. For example, if you think of someone like um, Taeyong V or Park Young-shik, who, you know, both have lived the idol life. And for both of them, you know, Taeyong in particular, that, I, that trainee life began when he was in his what, mid to early teens. And I think he was 15, right? When he entered yeah, the... Yeah, something yeah. like that. Jin was 20 and when he became a member, but... I think 20 Korean age I think he must have been like 19 or something yeah probably age yeah but like the way that each of them actually have really different experiences and how perhaps like not growing up famous gives you not perhaps it definitely gives you different tools to be able to manage that fame but also having managed that fame for example the way that Taeyong does at such an early age also gives you another kind of like you're managing the same kind of thing, but perhaps in different ways. But there's something that each of them gains from each other. Like, for example, with Taeyong, he thrives, you know, under the wings of Hyung's. That is like what he needs in his life. And you can really see it. But then you have someone like Park Sojun, who is just like, he thrives in a caretaking role. And yeah, he's a total papa see, bear. He really is. Mm-hmm. And like you can, like if you go back to Hwarang, for example, where he was the Hyung of that whole, you know, that group of like six yeah. or seven boys, I can't remember all of their names. And, you know, they talk about what it's like to take on those roles, but like not everyone takes those roles on well. Mm. And it's just so, it's interesting and heartwarming and like I can't get enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, I wanted to mention, if you haven't already watched it, the One Night in Two Days, I think it's maybe two episodes mm-hmm. where the Huarang guys come. Oh, I did watch it. Of course I've watched it. You did it. watch it. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> just, I just wanted to mention But it, I will probably go and watch it again. <laughs> so, uh, interesting thing also about liking Park Sojourn in Friend Creation or learning to like Park Sojourn in Friend Creation for me. I have liked Park Sojourn in since Fight My Way and What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. I've liked him. I, I have genuinely liked him. I didn't quite like him in Huara, but I, I liked him otherwise. But in Friend Creation, seeing his conversation with just, there is this early on, I think towards the end of the first episode, they have the stopover on the way to the vacation house where they are at this place where they're taking a break uh. and they're having lunch. <laughs> and they're just having this very normal conversation that you have over food you just ordered. How to order food? Are you reading the menu right? And it's just very simple conversation. But I liked these people as people because of how normal this conversation was and I started getting their tone like I started getting like the sur of the person um from that moment on and then as you said like uh, later on in in the next few couple of episodes you see you see how much of a caretaker oxygen is and because 
you realize what an introvert this guy is in this mm. show when you go on to watch something like youth empty which we are watching right now four episodes have aired and we can't wait for episode 5 why is it one episode uh, a I week i hate i hate <laughs> waiting like seven whole days and then <laughs> all you get is one hour and then it's over in an hour and you're just like it's such a quick the hour. whole cycle starts again i hate it i hate it it's, so it's much it's awful they should give us at least two episodes why uh, so it's yeah we're spoiled by dramas the variety is only one episode a week right and then i swear it's not even 60 minutes it will be cheated completely like 50. yeah but you know what in the first week they dropped two episodes so i was like oh cool two episodes a week i will survive oh, no no no, no, no. Then, that was a trap <laughs> oh it's such a trick oh it was so uh, bad so but because they know what they're doing yeah, they know what they're doing absolutely <laughs> totally worked but having <laughs> having learned to like Park Sojourn and sort of understand his rhythm in Frankation when i watch him in Youth Empty there hasn't been much of direct Park Sojourn um you know interaction over here he's mostly been very quiet but that makes total sense to me i yeah. would do what Park Sojourn is doing which is in a large group i would go very quiet yeah. <laughs> i'm not maybe just keep the camera off especially as like you know one of the oldest as well so it's kind of like Yo, you but, know but you're just you like let the kids what do is hilarious boxerton is my age he was born in 1988 but i look at him and i'm like oh yeah this is a this is a man like he's he's lived yeah, his life he's, a, an he's an ajishi and i'm like shoot this guy is my age um, what well, i suddenly realized when i was watching episode 4 i suddenly realized that I actually ji changuk is the eldest not him because i remembered mm. oh he's my sister's no, but, age but and i remember pak sojun is in 88 yeah he does <laughs> because ji changuk has this like very cute and naive earnest energy yeah. that just makes him seem younger oh my god i do want to talk about this aspect of ji changuk because like i'm watching um if you wish upon me mm. right now and i think like his roles that really grab me and that i really enjoy as opposed to the roles of his that i really can't get on board with are the ones that like that earnestness and sort of like i don't even want to say naivete but like this kind of openness and ability and like right? that he has in real life yeah the the roles where he kind of like allows that to shine through as part of his character like the first time i ever saw him in that family drama i think was it sons of soul pharmacy house or smile you i can't remember but he plays like that youngest child of the house who's suddenly settled with a baby that his best friend had in high school and he's like 19 or something and that kind of like cute young energy that he had, like he doesn't really lost it <laughs> and it's really interesting to see that like that's his real personality and i feel like i've seen him in another variety show too but i feel like that authentic who he is when that comes out in some part of his role and i think it is coming out in if you wish upon me too because even though he has like a very dark past um there's like a real earnestness and kind of kind of like this disbelieving innocence almost to one part of his character that really shines through and i think like those roles are the ones where he is the most engaging for me as a viewer whereas the ones where he's trying to be like really slick hmm. and really like a smooth guy cynical yeah. and smooth yeah i'm just like this isn't you like i <laughs> It doesn't work for me personally. I don't maybe others have a different experience. No, I, I agree with you. I Ji Chang Wook is a very attractive actor and he can absolutely act. That's not that's not what is under contest here. <laughs> But um yeah. I tend to find that he for instance Sound of Magic I don't I I don't think either of you have watched that right I watched mm-hmm. about half of one episode that was about right 
it it takes a minute to sort of grasp what his character is trying to do but i think it was a really good choice for ji jangok regardless of how the story works or doesn't work for me what you have to love is that that wonder at like the world and the possibility of magic and just believing in the unbelievable that entire persona really fits someone like ji chang up because his I they can, can really that. use his earnestness his wide eyed wonder something that he does in in youth empty at one point is where they are doing yes. that you know the the thing where they emphasize different syllables of a word and you have to repeatedly yeah. move the emphasis <laughs> by syllable and he every time game. he exact yeah, pitch game every time he hits the pitch his head bobs up it's like this whole beaver <laughs> thing i my i just i lost my i watched that so many times <laughs> on the beat that was hilarious so funny and just uh, yeah yeah i think like in the roles where he's allowed to be a bit awkward mm, yeah like i think that was the problem with the suspicious partner yeah. too right where like his character was supposed to be so perfect or melting me softly they both needed him to be like the slick you know conventional um hero and that just wasn't it wasn't like his roles were not very well written to begin with plus it just yeah, wasn't using his strengths it right. however love struck in the city and it, i know that's not like a very popular drama but his character really worked for ji changok like that whole lost in his own head slightly but also earnestly trying to do the right thing character that fit him pretty well yeah. so it's it's a matter of him finding the right role i i have to admit that i was guilty of um saying at one point that he really just needs to do action roles because the only thing i genuinely enjoyed of his was healer and i i i admit i was wrong he needs he needs these emotionally vulnerable roles because clearly that is what where his strength lies not k2 and what what is this done yeah the thing is healer was both of those it yeah, was agree, agree. it was an action role and perhaps what you're then saying is that you had confused the thing that appealed or well, not necessarily you had confused but perhaps the thing you thought appealed to you about him was thing. right yeah. however um i i will say that i don't think that he's bad in the slick roles i don't find him bad in them he's what i find bad, bad about those like, roles it, it it's like trying to force him to do something he's a good actor so he can mm. do them but it doesn't use what is special mm. about this actor's yeah. strength and it's so then it never goes it never transcends to that level of like a performance that really stays with you for a long time it's just very competently done and he does a good job and he's very handsome but it doesn't stick with mm. you at least me. But I I don't okay. lay the problem of those roads at his door. I I I lay that at the door of the actual drama. Yeah, I, I don't think that we're I, laying I them that, at his door. No, no, I'm not saying you are. I'm just, I'm just explaining why I don't hate him in this roles. You're right. None of us hate him in these uh, characters and the problems were definitely with the writing and the directing and not his performance. But for instance, like Park Seo-jun in What's Wrong with Secretary Kim, his character wasn't exactly exceptionally written. It was a pretty bland male lead character. It's Park Seo-jun's performance that just really elevated this generic male lead. it's it played into his strengths like the, the his ability to be super weird in a character like the way he 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 does his facial expressions it just it really he made that character better than it was written right and uh, you know and some of that is also like you know the director probably gave him that room because a lot of times they won't be given that room they're told to act in a certain way and not outside of that correct 
and a, a lot of people would disagree with me but in business proposal when you had what what is the actor's name anhya sir anhya sir when you had anhya sir given a very similar role and he's a very attractive actor that i'm pretty sure a lot of people really loved him in that role but he couldn't do what park sujun did in what's wrong with secretary kim yeah. even though the uh, characters were comparable and their lines and the comedic effect that each of them had were also comparable I don't think that character even though it like visually fit Anya Soap played into Anya Soap's strengths. We know what Anya Soap's strengths are. He's already done it in uh, 30 but 17. Mm. <laughs> so it it really like there are certain types of roles that really utilize an actor's best properties and I think Ji Chang-wook just wasn't being able to find those. He is a theater actor and you can kind of see that in like the more dramatic moments in all of the dramas he's done. But if you try to put him in an established like stereotypical box, like a male lead box, it's he just yeah. doesn't quite I yeah. still think he would excel. uh in an action role but an action role that has a very emotional side because those are his strengths emoting and like his physical presence yeah he does have a very good physical presence as well yeah cuz the thing with uh anhyosop isn't um that he doesn't have this i mean it is that he doesn't have the same acting ability but it's also that he hasn't developed the kind of screen presence that Park Seo-joon has and you know the whole time i was watching business proposal i basically like my brain was just telling me that was park seo-joon because of the <laughs> how he was styled i kept forgetting it was anhyosop you and everybody on twitter and instagram the little flap <laughs> of hair on his forehead <laughs> right until you hit those walls yeah. yeah i mean i mean that was like a deliberate styling i'm sure but having a lead role doesn't mean you have lead presence and and i think there's people uh, many actors who prove that people like anhyosop um people like what's the other one i can't even remember their names at this point because in my head they're all grouped <laughs> in this one anhyosop group which is uh, i put nam juhyuk in there as well i would have said that until i watched 2521 which i feel yeah. like he had a lot of presence in that one. I I oh, actually he's developed in 2521. Okay. I was and I was like a Namjoo Hyuk denier like I did not see the appeal <laughs> with him but I am completely won over with his pre- performance of that. So uh, so so he's developed the thing. Yeah, he's developed that, it. Yeah. But I also still would argue that he has been pushed into lead roles before he was ready for them and when it, there were better actors who could have taken those roles. Yeah, and it's not necessarily also like um something that depends on age because if mm. you look at somebody like um Lee Do-hyun, he's always mm. had it. You know what I he mean? He has. Even if you go back to 30 yeah. but 17, you can see it. Right. It's so he's magnetic immediately. Okay. The first time you see him. But to get back to um Youth MT. Finally. <laughs> okay. Yes. Let's get back to Youth MT cuz I want to talk about the other people. Yes, yeah, let's. Yeah, I want to talk oh, about. Oh, oh, oh. Another late discovery for everybody is Hanginya. Yes. I think Anissa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like since we're on the topic of 18 again. Um yeah, Hanginya is I love him. Um do I need to say anything else? No, no sorry. I will be coherent. Nah, let's end the episode now. That's it. <laughs> well, speaking of like the whole sort of dichotomy between like seeing somebody on screen and then seeing their "quote unquote" real personality, let's just call it their variety persona cuz let's be real, mm-hmm. these are also still performances. Yeah. But like seeing that dichotomy of him, you know, so I first saw him in 18 again and I remember 
around that time when I was really enjoying him, I watched, I think it was also like I had started True Beauty, but then there was that, there was this interview that I watched with him where he's just like this very squishy, kind of timid, like very sweet, like he's being interviewed, but he's like almost apologetic to be there and like taking up your time, <laughs> kind of, you know, like just this persona that is so, I'm sure it's probably close to his personality mm. but I was just like you and then like this like tough guy that you you know like this with this hard outer shell in 18 again um and he, he still <laughs> has the same charisma which is so interesting like sometimes people in their like acting roles have a lot of charisma and then you see them in interviews or like in variety shows and they just have like a really different presence on screen mm. um and a different energy and he has a different energy but he's still just as magnetic and charismatic which I find fascinating and so you see him here on youth and tea right he's like He's kind of timid. He's like, he feels nervous. Like you can tell it's like his first variety performance. He's like watched all of these other shows in preparation and he's expecting it to be like really <laughs> hardcore. And like, <laughs> you know, you can tell he's been watching like one night in two days. Cause like there's one point where they're like, we're going to do a transition. He's like, should I jump? And they're like, no. <laughs> and they're like, what do you think this is? Like the early 2000s. It's so funny. But what's funnier is that the other cast members, the younger ones <laughs> from Sound of Magic, they're like, what have you been watching? <laughs> they don't get it. They don't get it. And it's worth pointing out here that he's like, what, 32 31. now, I think. <laughs> so what he's grown up watching is totally different to these new kids. He, he is a generation apart from them. And this comes out so hilariously in Youth MT because they're just like, you know, when they're setting their group, the when they're naming their teams and like Kim Yoo-jung is like, we're the real youth. <laughs> so they like name their team the real Chun-chun. <laughs> and... And then you have like the, you know, the older ones who are sitting there going, we're old. Look at these kids. <laughs> and it's just, oh, it's just so funny. I hadn't even thought about that. He's kind of caught in the middle, right? Between the 20, yeah. 20 24 thing, somethings and yeah. like late 30s. The thing with Huang Inyub, the thing with Huang Inyub is that he looks as young as those kids yeah. in their 20s, right? Like the right. early 20s. And, he's been and he acts those roles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But really, he's much older and he's exactly. much more... Um, he was almost like, uh, he doesn't quite feel like he belongs, but he's trying also really hard. Also because he's come to fame very yes, late. Yes. He's come to this like celebrity existence at this point in his mm. life, rather than, you know, the kids who have been doing it for ages or the ones who are starting much earlier. So like, it's, I just find those dynamics so interesting. And the other thing, like, um, you know what you were mentioning, Anissa, about roles? The, in... Also in Youth MT, you know you have um, Kyungsu, who is um, from the is it class? class? Mm -hmm. And there's this part in episode four where they're like, you know, uh, having their Hanok experience, and they're all drinking tea, and he just is just overwhelmed by embarrassment when everyone is looking at him, and the others are saying to him, "But you act," and he's like, "But." But I'm playing a role yeah. now. I'm like I'm being myself, and this is harder. Oh. And it's just I know, I, I yeah, totally it's so interesting that. and funny. And because the more he said, like, "Don't look at me," everybody would kind of look more at me. <laughs> And then he was just getting redder and redder. Oh. And this is like, for example, in the um, like BTS in general, but like um, Jin in particular, he has this thing where he just, when people are looking at him, he gets really embarrassed and his ears go red, which is kind of at odds with this whole um, brash, I'm worldwide handsome persona that he um, often uses in sort of uh, specific sort of interview situations and all of that. Um but like, yeah, this this 
whole the introverts uniting in these shows or in these um, sort of creative um, working groups you're just like that that's a lot of introversion in one room and i also the- thought it was so funny how they were all in their separate cars and they all start talking about their mbti uh classification yeah. and how most of them are ex- introverts then like who is extroverted i can't remember now but most of them were introverts mm. um and yeah. and then even um was it ji changok he said he's like i'm an introvert but i'm like very social the other thing that yeah. uh, stood out to me it, this is again a uh I'm going back to Ji Chang-wook for a second. I, I think this was in in the initial meetings when they were driving to the spot where the uh, MT happens. And one of uh, his, one, one of the uh, female actors, they were basically, oh, I think it was Nara, um, who was basically saying that, is, is it true for somebody else? Like, um, it's, she was asking other people who have worked with Ji Chang-wook that what she experienced was that his friendliness could sometimes be slightly burdensome and then she just fell he's completely fell oh he was so sad not only his friendliness but like the way he like takes care of everyone and is so nice mm. to his yeah, like yeah 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 not his friendliness but but like how polite he is in like he's he's actively trying to be kind kindness was right, the word right. she had used actually i think yeah and, yeah and everybody else went completely silent but I, I kind of understood what she was saying, even though that, that conversation was quickly hushed up. What I extrapolated from that exchange was that Ji Chang-ok is one of those people who actively um, goes about trying to make sure that everybody around him mm. is comfortable and like is, is included. included. Yeah. yeah. And those those people are awesome, honestly. I don't know where they have the energy. <laughs> but <laughs> you could you could Seriously, really see yeah. that. I was about to say that's what I do. I, I, and then I, I was like, know, okay, that's say what it you now. do. Because <laughs> you're just like, you know, you understand more than anybody as a particular kind of introvert how awkward it is for everyone and how awkward you feel. And you're willing to be the sort of slightly embarrassing person if needed to make sure everyone else is comfortable. And like, I've lived my life doing that. And it's like, I can, I watch this show and I'm like, I get you. <laughs> like, I completely understand. You want to, you never want there to be a person in the corner that someone's ignoring because you know what it's like to be that person. So you want to be that person who makes sure that every single person is included and counted and that nobody is upset and that nobody is left out and that, you know? Yeah. So like I can, that Ji Chang-wook energy, like I really like get it. But then I also get the Puxigen energy, which is like, <laughs> I'm really nervous. Everyone here is younger than me almost. And I just, these are kids and they're cool and I can't deal with it. I'm just going to pretend I don't exist <laughs> I'll just hang with the people who know me and like hide behind them if needed you know yeah <laughs> so like I, I get it a lot so I, I think a lot of my enjoyment is coming from relating to the way that they're interacting with each other because it's just so relatable and then you have like Pugbagum who is like going around everybody with his little paws going just you know just like like speak Panmal with me and Hyungkyung and would you like a snack and it is everybody it is you. the force <laughs> of Pugbagum's personality is like nothing I've ever seen like the first time I saw 
like the magic that he creates wherever he goes. Like he's literally like one of those magical fairies that like spreads light and happiness. Yeah. I'm like, how are you real? But I, the first time I saw it was like when he came to One Night in Two Days and he... So one of the the person who's been with the show for the longest, Jungmin, he's I think it's like from season one. He's the only one that's still left from season one. And he is like known on the show for being afraid of heights. And one of the things that they were doing, I think, was like paras- parasailing or paragliding. And he was like, uh, like, there's no way I'm not doing it. Pak Wogam somehow with the force of his like adorable personality hold your hand. got him to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, there's I would never have imagined that he would actually do that. But like the, the just yeah. like the way that he just like unabashedly embraces people. And like I don't know if mm. this is I don't think that it's fake. I think it's actually his real personality. Yeah, it's hundred percent real. No way. Yeah. There's no way that's yeah. fake. I no one can be that nice. No, it's it's like not that even all the time and fake it. If, if a person if a person didn't already have that personality, it's impossible to fake it because you just would not know how to constantly be that. Everybody has ups right. and downs. This boy never has a down. Mm-hmm. It's just it's like a constant. Like he's constantly. He, he, he's like buzzing around. He's just full of energy. <laughs> Don't you find it hilarious when like Jichen keeps on going, he just came out of all. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, oh, he's extra excited because, has too much because yeah. he came out of the no, I don't I don't think I yeah. don't think that's the case. <laughs> I think that's just him. Oh my god. I'm also kind of surprised. Like I didn't expect like Pugbogum to be such an adventurous person. Like I haven't really I know him for his dramas, not for like real life so he's like he's up for anything yeah oh my he is. God, yeah and yeah, he, he just flew in from a holiday in paris i mean yeah. I, I would be wiped out it was fashion week i think he was working in paris yeah. oh okay yeah. not, not even a holiday no, they, they, they don't have holidays <laughs> <laughs> what are vacations exactly. you gotta go on a variety show to have a vacation oh my god <laughs> and even then you can't be sure and even on the first like how day? they were afraid all night that they were gonna sleep in the yeah. tents poor, poor kids <laughs> but like Papa so glad didn't actually get a proper meal for most of the day <laughs> and he was oh, bless just him. he was surviving on but nuts you know, and like offering nuts to random people <laughs> you know the watermelon this is again like what Anissa was saying about variety editing is the way that they just kept zooming in on him and his like how many pieces of watermelon he went through it's like the boy was hungry and he was just like quietly gnawing away at them and each time the gnawing was getting more intense so you're like <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, the magic really is in the editing. Yeah. Even, like, no, I mean the magic is both in that chemistry and in the editing. So yeah, yeah, and like Nara is so nice. Oh, I, I didn't had no oh idea. God, I love her. So lovely. And she's also one of those. <laughs> and people. her little girl crush on E. G. Young. I just love it. She's like, I'm gonna do this with Jiyoung-a. And, and she's also she's another so caretaker personality. Like she, she's going mm-hmm. around yeah. like making sure the shoes are tied. Like she was tied so much shoes. She's just always checking in on people. It's <laughs> or like when they yeah. were eating and Joyeon gets like food all over her face, so her makeup comes off, yeah. and then she's like oh, yes. quietly being like, "Do you have any foundation?" Like, she's like, "Okay, like I'll help you later." She's like fixing it up for her. <laughs> Such a mom. Yeah. 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 And like Kwak Dongyeon, he's oh my god, Kwak Dongyeon is hilarious. He just has to yeah. talk. Like, it doesn't matter what he says. Everything he says is funny. I didn't I didn't realize how much of his personality comes across in the characters he plays. 
like some of the characters like the chaotic element right Correct. like his actual personality yes. is hilariously yes. chaotic I, I it's just so good assumed that it was something he was putting on for his characters no oh my god he tamps it down <laughs> for his characters like it's it's so <laughs> like his moonlight character right the bodyguard this like stoic that, that is, non-talking that is like guy opposite versus his vincenzo character yeah exactly yeah if crazy. anything the closest that i have seen him play to his like real life character is probably the uh, my id is gangnam beauty character where he plays this like second lead role and he is slightly that chaotic but also very clever but again nothing compared to his real life persona <laughs> there's this um role that he played really early on i don't know if it was his debut role but like he would he plays like a student in a family drama i think this was my husband got a family maybe but he's like one of the nephews in the family who's like um the joke is that like he's so so dumb so one of the characters is tutoring him and he's just like a wall like nothing gets through to him and like he's very intelligent in real life so obviously like that's not like him but he, you could see how like it was I was a comedic character and he was so funny and like you could just see in his eyes how much he was enjoying like these humorous lines like I'm not really <laughs> expressing it because no, no, I feel I, like I, you have I, to like watch it, it to I understand it. but he was so good in that I was like who is this kid he is so funny I do love it when you suddenly discover like an actor is like an amazing comedic actor. Like for example, you sing a I I'm sorry, I have to invoke him at least once. <laughs> <laughs> Just like discovering his comedy chops was the like one of the most enjoyable things I've ever experienced in Dramaland. Cuz especially when you've had a long career of like being this very dramatic heavy emotion kind of actor who can like cry to like the end of the world and like make everyone else cry too and then to see this kid just like blow the roof off with his just general hilarity I mean I'm not a robot is one of the funniest dramas that I've ever watched oh speaking of I'm not a robot Chesubin as well I just you know she has such a hilarious like um, she's the naysayer of the group and again I relate to that she's always like can't we do it like this though but oh but how about that but what about this (laughs) yeah that's me that's like very me energy But she's so cute about it, and you're just like, oh, I love you. She I is love so Jessica cute. So much. Her general personality is utterly adorable. <laughs> no, but one of my favorite uh, moments in Youth Empty, uh, one of my favorite moments in Youth Empty is when um, I think it's Kim Bo Yoon, one of the younger cast members from Sound of Magic. And um, I think it was, yeah, Kim Yoo Jung came to her. Like it was just happening in the background. And Kim Yoo Jung approached her and was like, do you remember me? And Kim Bo Yoon was like, how do you remember me? And do I? And, and, and Kim Yoo Jung had like as a young, I think she was 13-ish or something. And she had directed a, a short um, film or a drama. Mm. And a baby Kim, Kim Bo Yoon had been the actor. And like the, that moment of bonding and later on she's recollecting like Kimboyun is recollecting it for uh, Ji Hyewon who was her cast member from Sound of Magic and she's like she remembered me she came to me and she yeah. me. oh that was so cute 
Oh my God. Yeah. It was really interesting to me to like see also because some of these groups, like they, because I, I want to talk about the concept a little bit, right? So you have these, like this one director who directed all three of these dramas, um, Love of the Moonlight, Sound of Magic. Yes. And um, It's a One Class. And so he basically like reached out to these groups, uh, like these casts and was like, do you want to do this? Use MT. And you see in the beginning, they were like, wow, like so many people. He's like, yeah, I didn't think you'd all say yes. <laughs> and then, but they were all just like, yeah, like we want to come back. So clearly, like they had a good experience with him as the director. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have come back. But it's just really interesting because they're all kind of I mean, yes, there is some large gaps of age and experience. But in general, they're, you know, kind of around the same age. There are some who are younger, but then they have more experience. Kim and then Yoo there's Jung. some who are older and have less. Yeah, like Kim Yoo-jung is probably like the day somebody here. Like she's been acting <laughs> yeah, exactly. for such a long time. Um, and to see the dynamics, not only between like the cast members of the same shows, but then like some of them have worked in other shows together, like Ji Chang Wook and Nara are close because they worked on um, Suspicious Partner together. And you can tell they have like a cr- close friendship that's continued since that drama. And, and so, him and Kyung Soo as well in a different drama. Yes. Um, mm. So that was interesting to me because like, I don't know, was it? Borma, you were mentioning how, like, you were interested to see how there wasn't, like, that much of a hierarchy yes. between them. Yes, that, that was that was my favorite thing about Youth Empty. Um, I expected, because of how the interviews usually work, like, when they're promoting a drama, you know, cast interviews happen, there is always, like, a hierarchy between younger, less experienced cast members and, like, the more veteran slash older cast members. Like, you can see that there is the respect flowing upwards and there is like the use of John Demal and just like how polite they are in their interactions but also you can also see that in behind the scenes footage right like because when the cast members are working together the more experienced ones tend to be more confident around the set but here like from very beginning it's like that somehow that was that boundary was broken like they approached each other as not not friends exactly, but colleagues. But colleagues. Yeah. yeah. And also like there is still like that age, like respect towards like older members thing, but it's not like a built in hierarchy of, oh, you have a higher status in the industry than me. That status thing was completely non-existent. You have the youngest cast member of um, Sound of Magic. Just what an opportunity for them oh though to God, be here! Like, think about. Can you imagine? Talk about like striking gold. Yeah. yeah. Um. That them being completely like them being open and friendly and very comfortable with like the veteran cast members they, they were with. Ji Chang Wook, uh, again, like the most experienced in that cast, of course. But, and they they treated him like just like the slightly older, like this young uncle, maybe slightly clueless. Slightly clueless. <laughs> yes. And it's it's so comforting to watch that dynamic because I it was completely unexpected. And the same thing with either one class. Like all of, for instance, um, an actor like Lee Jae Young, for instance, who has had a lot less exposure in front of the public compared to even Nara. Say, Lee Jae Young does not act like she. It has like a less celebrity than the rest of the cast. They all act like. They are equals in that space. And that's just, that's so fantastic. But yeah. um, I think we should be clear here that the, the um, I think Kim Yoo-jung probably is the most experienced um, actor here. She's been doing it for like 18 years, since 2004. Mm-hmm. So she's probably the most sunbae among them. I also found that like her, perso- her like sort of professional exterior never quite goes yeah. away. 
And I, that obviously is a result of all of that time in the industry. So she's the one, I think, who we've seen the least sort of... Open? Uh, um, I don't... She's thing is, I don't want like to use facili- any of those words. She's like facilitating a lot of things. Mm, like she's okay. a connector. She's like helping... Yeah. She's so experienced in like how TV works that almost you can see almost unconsciously she just like jumps in to like smooth things along yes, or make things exactly. work better or you know like it's she's such a but without giving a lot of her inner self away yeah, at the same time yeah because she's had to protect herself from such a young age mm. I agree that there's a very like informal kind of atmosphere from the beginning and I think that's partly just because like you come with these pre-made groups of people who already know each other so well from like doing a drama together that even though they're awkward with each other there's a like an ability of to like drop some of their initial guardedness which is nice but I think also like in terms of you know like we talked about the very structured variety shows versus the more unstructured ones. And if you like look at them, you'll notice that a lot of times the unstructured ones, they do them with groups of people who already know each other really well. Mm. Um, Like another one I wanted to bring up was Dragon Club, which is this um, show from uh, 2017, where you have this group of like longtime friends, Jang Hyuk, Cha Tae-hyun, Hong Kang-in, um, Kim Jong-uk, <laughs> and Hong Kang-min. And if you know these people, like it's they're... It's subtitled Immature Bromance. Yes, <laughs> and they are like in the industry, they're one of those like extremely well-known friend groups. They, you know, they have known each other for such a long time since they were like, you know, young kids in the industry and so they have a very similar even though it is like one of those things where like they go and they like open a little pojang match on the beach and people can come and buy stuff but it has a very similar vibe to like in the soup where it's just like a group of friends who haven't been able to get a chance to just hang out together and for them it's like even longer because they are you know they have families they have very busy careers they have kids like they don't get a chance to just like hang out again as a group of guys and so like it has that energy but like with these really structured shows which youth mt is very structured it's not as harsh on the cast as a group like One Night in Two Days. And I keep going back to One Night in Two Days just because it is one of those like really long running, very popular, very influential shows. It's been going now for, it's had 709 episodes. Well, wow. <laughs> um, So it's, it's extremely long running, like multiple seasons. Um, the first episode was in 2007. So these kinds of really structured shows where they are forcing them into these like very uncomfortable situations where like, you know, they'll have to do these horrible games where like if you lose, you have to sleep outside. And it's not just like sleeping outside. It's sleeping outside sometimes like on the side of a mountain in like minus 10 temperatures with the wind blowing and the snow's coming. Like it's very harsh. Um, so that's why I was saying like this is a very like gentle and kind version. You know, like here they were threatened by the image of the tents. But they didn't actually have to sleep outside. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like it was that cold anyway. So it's not like they would have... You know, One Night in Two Days is known for, like, forcing people to, like, dip themselves into the, you know, cold ocean in January. Things like that. Sleeping alone on an abandoned island. And I think, like, the the reason that they do that is to break down those barriers between people mm-hmm. who, like, don't know each other and might have these... You know, like, they had Joe and Sung on one time. Um, and they were all like, oh, my God, Joan Sung. And then by like three hours in, everyone's like joking around like old friends because immediately they have to do these like really embarrassing challenges. And everyone just like drops all of that hierarchy and like some who you know, unless it's someone who's like a legend in the industry. And then they probably wouldn't even invite them on that kind of show where they would have to do that kind of thing. Humiliate right? them, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I, I looked up Dragon's Club while you were saying all of that. And this is clearly the original friendcation. Yeah, that's why oh I wanted God. to bring it up. Because it really, like, as I was watching it, I was thinking about that show. So I um, recommend it. It's a fun show. 
Also, there's this one comment um, in in the KBS World YouTube, like where the first episode is. The first comment says, "Only veterans get to do a variety show that helps them get a vacation, doing anything they wanted to do while working." <laughs> yeah. Oh, I really wish we would like. I hope we'll get more of these in the coming like few years and stuff. It's just they're really nice. Yeah, and I think they have a lot of entertainment value as well. Yes. So. Okay. So any okay. Um, pick the right people. Any last thoughts before we wrap up? Oh, do we have to wrap what? up? <laughs> I know. I don't <laughs> want to wrap up, but we've been talking for things... more than two hours at this point, so probably we one should wrap things... up. <laughs> one of the things I wanted to ask you guys about, this is like a recurring conversation that we have, um, Borama and I have definitely had this conversation several times um, in the last like 10 years or something, about how we don't necessarily want to know about our faves in real life. Like we don't want to know what, they are like in private we don't want to know what their real personalities are like but sometimes we do (laughs) like what do you think about that now but you know what I really don't want is to meet them in person because that Uh completely strips off any distance between you and you know the celebrity you're admiring from a distance because even in variety shows like at one point in youth empty they were talking about something and one of them says is that allowed um can we say that (laughs) and it was was, you know like that they have a certain amount of restraint even while they are in this space that's informal and they're trying to be casual um and establish relationships in the beginning when they have that first meeting at the beginning of in the soup when like they first talk about like the plans and everything and then one of them i can't remember which one it was but he was like i'm gonna have to think about what i'm gonna share and what i'm not gonna share yeah you know mm. so it, it gives you that i mean i think that's also what i love right about korean variety shows is they're not pretending that they that aren't they, that there real. isn't yeah. some yeah that there isn't some element of superficiality and producedness about what they're doing mm. and yet somehow it doesn't it makes you trust them more in a way Correct. which is yeah. it's really Correct. smart because then you're like okay you're not pretending that this is real and so I can trust that what you do choose to share about yourself is authentic. Whether it is or it isn't, I mean, sometimes we find out very uh, shockingly that it's completely fake, mm. as we've, you know, yeah. as has happened in the past. But a- a- Absolutely. That, that is always a possibility. But again, I choose to believe that this is one aspect of them because humans tend to have mm. different mm. aspects. And also, we are different people with different groups of people. Like the person I am with you guys, I'm not the same person with my other friend groups. I know that. Like the things we talk about, the way I approach conversations is wholly different with another set of friends. So what I'm choosing to share when I am, let's say we do a reality program together, would be very different. Aren't we already? What is this? I was going to say, like even on the podcast, we've had conversations before where we're like, do I want to talk about this on, you know, on a published medium that's available to the public is going to be around yeah, forever. We frequently have that and, and conversation. It's it's not like we are censoring ourselves, like you know, it's not a, an oppressive censorship, and it's also not that we are displaying a, a fake version of ourselves. This mm-hmm. is us. This is mm-hmm. real us. There are aspects of us that we choose not to bring to this platform. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with variety shows. I think those are the actors. Like as I, I trust that as much as I trust the average person on the street or, or my friends or my family, what they choose to show me is mm. the real them. It may not be. Yeah. But 
So yeah, this this doesn't break that distance that I have from the celebrity, but it also gives me a deeper understanding of them and just lets me like them more. Like right. lets me mm-hmm. enjoy their existence more. The thing that I'm sometimes afraid of, oh no, actually not sometimes, I'm always afraid of this. And it, maybe this isn't a conversation I've had with you, maybe it's a conversation I've had with my sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that at a point, like when you're really interested in someone and you like, you go and look for everything they've done and it doesn't necessarily have to be like an actor. It can be a writer. It can be, it can be anybody. It can be in any field. At some point, you're afraid or you do you hit that wall where something disappoints you and you're like ah, oh, I should have stopped sooner <laughs> and then I wouldn't have had to know this thing that I now know that kind of I don't really like it mm. and like that's very personal yeah I agree that, that I have that too and I don't actually do that anymore I think I used to especially with authors whose works I really like that that was my original uh, they mm. were my original biases yeah. <laughs> authors I really liked started to feel like my own voice and I wanted to know everything about their life and pretty soon that meant I would run into things that I really didn't want to know about them I realized mm. early on that I just just cannot do that and continue to enjoy their work. And I don't think I've, I've ever, like I have had opportunities where I have been, <laughs> I have been invited into spaces where I could meet people I really admire on television, on movies, in movies. And I have refused because I really didn't want that distance to go away. And I, uh, I I haven't felt the I don't loss. know how you found the will to refuse. It was yeah, a I think I wouldn't be able to do that. I would want to go. I wouldn't and see either. Them. Yeah. I'm just saying that the value I get from having them on screen is more than any value I could get from like meeting them in person. Like a fleeting conversation with a celebrity that I admire for like a few minutes is not going to be very deep. It may on the other hand, like an offhanded remark or a a, a sort of like an unintentional slight on their part might break my heart completely. And I just Mm. do not want that. And I've seen that happen over and over again. That's very true. Yeah. There's a reason they say don't meet your heroes. I think for me, like, I don't know that I would ever have the opportunity to meet any of these people. But like, I think (laughs) leaving that aside, like in terms of, you know, how much you want to know about the person, I think like I'm happy to see what they're willing to show me. So whether that's, you know, an interview that they gave or a um, like a variety show appearance or, you know, something like that. I'm cool with that. I like enjoy that. If it's somebody whose work I really enjoy or if I find somebody like really charismatic and interesting, I just like likable, you know, then I will, you know, I will seek out their interviews or, you know, other things Mm. that they've, they've done. But I don't want to know, you know, what dispatch dug up about them. I don't want to know, you know, gossip that the internet is creating about them. I don't want to know like people's invasion of their private lives and how they've like Mm. dug up all this information. Like, I don't want to know that. And I think for me, that's the line. It's like, if you if they put it out willingly and, you know, they got paid for it, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. And I don't think that it's yeah. fake. Like, I agree with you, Forma. Like, I don't think it's fake. I think it's an aspect of themselves that they decide to show. But I don't really want to know more than what they want to show the world. Yeah. yeah. And if that means that, like, I'm not going to know about that somebody is a rapist until it comes out. Well, you know, that's just life. You don't know about that about people in your life either until it actually Mm. gets exposed. And there's no way to know things like that until, you know, until you know it. Mm. Yeah. 
You know what's heartening about, for example, watching something like um, the In the Soup, uh, whether that's the BTS or the um, Frankation um, spinoff, is that you can see that they are still setting boundaries. And I think it's also in Youth MT that, the, for example, there's this very fleeting scene in one of the Frankation episodes, can't remember which one, but they like they the boys are going into the bathroom and they've thrown like a, t- a hat over the camera and they take it off when they're finished and I just thought it was just like it was maybe it wasn't even a second it just flashed by but I noticed it and you just seeing that they still retain the ability to actually um override this setup yeah. and and make their own decisions about what they don't want to show like they can I'm sure they could have been assured that that wasn't going to make it into the cut but they're still looking after themselves. And like, for example, you know, the the Yuka's, um interview that you guys just watched, the one with Jin and Sugar. They, I don't know if you noticed that Jin didn't have a lot of talking in that. And that was actually an issue. Like people asked afterwards, why is there so little Jin? Why didn't you let him talk? And it turns out that he actually had said things that he thought were very sort of heavy and depressing. And he asked them to cut that all out. So like you can have, uh, you know, that boundary setting, you can have compassionate editing, but a lot, all of that depends on having a good faith relationship with people as well, like the production crew. And at one uh, point, I think it was Sugar who said, uh, which is Yungi, who said that one of the things that he finds worrisome about other like younger generations of idols is like all the variety and the promotion that they have to do and how little say they have in these situations. Like they have to do it. It's rounds of going mm-hmm. and doing these free promo events over and over again. And they have very little say in how they are edited and produced. And we know that BTS has a lot of control over it. Their uh, company has specifically created... They've created their own machinery. Yeah, Pretty much. Like, they have run BTS, uh, Bon Voyage. They have um, burned the stage. The Basically, they have all of these productions that are created so that they, BTS could keep getting the exposure, you know, keep giving this content right. out to the and public. And they're unique, in that sense, from other idols. Yeah, exactly. But whereas yeah. with, with they don't get exploited by the variety machinery as they were being until a few years back when they were like, oh, we are done. We are not doing this anymore. And happily, they could ascend to that level where and their company could support them in this. And the, and the machinery that they have created is now helping other bands, like bands that work with like or other uh, artists who work with that company are now being slowly, you know, giving given opportunities to be part of these projects. It's it's becoming another thing, like another variety company by itself, I know. But I'm just talking about specifically this particular group. This is a privilege that they have. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a it's a function of their power as the biggest group in the world. And a lot of people, mm. even if they wanted to set those boundaries, they wouldn't be allowed to. However, I, I like that in Youth MT, you can kind of see that the editing is done from a pretty sympathetic um, mm. point of view. Like you, the, the it's production. It's a director they trust, right? It's a director, it is a director they, they trust. They yeah. trust. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can mm-hmm. see the comfort of the cast even when they're not comfortable with each other because they're <laughs> meeting each other either yeah. for the first time or after years. Or And they actually, in real life, these actors have, like actors from these different dramas, they have, they may have worked with each other, some of them, but 
they don't really socialize so it's awkward but the crew is doing a good job of like helping them come yeah. together so i'm i'm really enjoying that and i think the other thing is like even if it's socially awkward there are enough of the you know the cast members who have been variety veterans that they can kind of not save the other ones but kind of guide things to go in a direction where like the other younger cast members other cast members who are like don't have experience with variety aren't gonna like fall on their faces yeah especially like Kim Yoo-jung is amazing at this Ji Shang-wook also like you know they're kind of pushing things gently in certain directions to yeah. make sure mm-hmm. that like the other cast members feel comfortable or like if somebody says something they'll like add something clarifying to make sure that they don't look bad so and yeah. I mean obviously you can undo that in editing but as you said mm-hmm. the editing is also kind to them so yeah mm-hmm. Since we are about to wrap up now, favorite moments. One of mine is, you know that Huang Inyeop has uh, has been a model first. Like he wanted to be an actor, but he went into modeling, and then he had a lot of insecurities. Like he's spoken about how he's shy and introverted, which I did not believe in his interviews. I didn't actually realize that when he said he was shy and introverted, he is shy and <laughs> introverted. He really is. <laughs> totally is, yeah. And so he was, he really, he was scared about making that leap into acting. He was no longer sure. He was like, I'm doing well. It's like that character, the Park, um, the Park Bogam character in that in record of youth, in yes, record of yeah. youth yeah where he he's acted as he he's been a model but his actual dream is to be an actor then when he gets the acting opportunity he's like do i even have it in me that that's actually real life wong in yop and <laughs> you can see that him doing this like this variety for the first time and being super nervous about it comes out in like these rare sincere moments like <laughs> like these video diaries that he suddenly starts doing like these video letters to his fans <laughs> oh my god the video <laughs> letters are amazing he's like it's been good this whole time thank you he's like leaving his will you know before he goes ziplining oh my god he's dying dear friends like so what is he doing <laughs> Also, late in the night, look at one point. <laughs> so they are going to sleep. Ji Chang Yu and Huang Yu are in the same room. And Huang Yu, at late at night, Ji Chang Yu is like, "So, how was your day? How are you doing right now?" And he's like, "I'm so nervous still. <laughs> this is my first time." And I later on, like the next day, Ji Chang was like, "Yeah, I went to sleep at like three or four in the morning." And in my head, I'm like, that's because you were like coaching him through to the middle of the night, weren't you? <laughs> he was counseling was like, him all night. <laughs> oh, oh, bless oh, my them. God. <laughs> Before we sort of move into our clothes, I just wanted to, uh, well, first I wanted to say that my original conception of this episode that we are recording was a general discussion on parasocial relationships <laughs> because <laughs> because you know you don't go down the bts hole without thinking about how invested you can get in a group of people but to also realize that it's a lot of it is just like in your head you know the and what anisa was saying at the very start about it being you know illusory like you think you know people but what do you really know you you know what they're showing you in a specific way but to sort of come to the I guess the closing point which Boromir you made about not wanting to meet 
your, you know, the people that you admire the most in person. For me, whenever like I have people I like, I call it like my sort of top level parasocial relationship is what I call an unrequited friendship. It's like I am nice. friends with you. You're not friends with me back because you don't know I exist. <laughs> so like when I am having like my fandom moments, like I can't even really think of them as fandom moments because I'm sitting there like imagining a one-sided friendship, you know, like a, a Jack Sarang, but like it's like friendship. <laughs> so I, I guess that's the the note I want to close on for myself is that these unrequited friendships are really difficult to emotionally sustain. I think it's time to have a break and watch some murder dramas. <laughs> That is the, the 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 friendship that gives back in so many ways, right? <laughs> do you have a favorite yes. moment? Um, do you want to talk about a favorite moment? Yes. Of Youth MT. The whole thing is a one long favorite moment. I yeah. just can't even. I just every, just, you know, I was watching the first couple of episodes like in the middle of the night. And this was after I had already begun sort of my BTS role. And my sisters knew that I had gone down, down the BTS hole. And the next uh, day, my sister goes to me, you were watching BTS videos all night, weren't you? And I was like, was I? Was I? I couldn't remember what it was. And she's like, I, I could hear you laughing at like four o'clock. Why didn't you go to bed? And I was like, oh, it was Youth MT. It was, you know, the ghosts. It was it just everything. Yeah. Everything was so, I was just howling through the entire episode. You know, it was so I, funny. I think, so you first recommended In the Soup and then you, um, then you started watching Youth MT and you were like, you have to watch this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch both of these. And then when I finally got around to watching them, I think I watched In the Soup three episodes of that first. Um, and then I just binge watched Youth MT to like whatever was available. <laughs> and I think for me, like In the Soup was really charming and really nice. Um, maybe I had like inflated expectations because of how much you loved it. And I, maybe I would have enjoyed it more. It was good. I enjoyed it. Um, but I in Youth MT is like, A, it's kind of the type of variety that I've always enjoyed but yet B, it's doing something different. And so because of that new kind of element, because I have watched shows with like a group of close friends go on a vacation and it's really lovely and they do and they cook together and they sleep together. You know, it's nice. And and I wasn't also like as invested in all five of them. But in Youth MT, there's like 15 people. I love pretty much all of them. I never yeah. expected I would get to see all of Like having 15 actors, most of whom are like, Close top to the tier. top of their game, yeah. if not at the top of their career right now. Just like you would maybe get two people or three people max in one of these shows. And I don't know how they convinced all. I guess it was that the power of that personal relationship that the director had with them. But I was just like, yeah. this is an embarrassment of riches. Like, when has this ever happened? <laughs> it really and it's is. just like joy, like joy in every episode. Um, but I have to say, my favorite thing was Huang and Yup going in the haunted house because <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Unbeautiful. Like just every moment, I was just like, "Oh, dear boy, you are the funniest and the cutest." Also, it was also, great. also, Ji Chang was going into the haunted house because he wasn't actually scared at any point, yeah. and like he was like, "I should make." I mean, they're making so much effort. I should at least give a reaction. So he would be like, "That was oh, funny." That was. He would scary. give like a very you know, half-hearted oh, no, kind no. of. <laughs> And then Park So Joon, later on when they had like the leaders uh, competition, he goes in, he's just like so calm. So, and that's why like, I know Sai, you were saying that he's, he was nervous. I don't think he was nervous. I think he was just like kind of in his little shell. And so like, what I, th what I think I really felt with Park So Joon, even though he's very different in both of the shows, is that like, he has this really calm energy, which like, I don't know why, but I didn't Young really energy. expect it's that from energy. him. Yeah. 
And so even when he's going through the haunted house, he's just like his chill self. And yeah, you know, like things are falling on my head. Ghosts are popping out, whatever. Like I'm here, do my mission, get the job done. I'm going to get out of it. It was just so enjoyable. I was like, this guy is just, he's very capable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think we should end there. Otherwise we'll be here for the next eight hours. Also, people are talking about, I mean, in the comments on the MDL page, people are talking about how uh, they have to have a second season. I don't know if it's possible. Like what the relationship PD Kim has with these actors, it almost seems like one of those things, like like the chemistry BTS has with amongst its members. It's one of those things that's like so damn rare, you don't know how to replicate it. Yeah, it's kind of a miracle that this show even happened once. I don't know yeah, that they could make I, it happen I, again. I think I'll be really happy to just rewatch this over and over again. I definitely am rewatching it. Okay. Okay. I think we are finally uh, done. I think we've exhausted ourselves and our listeners <laughs> at this point. So, well, we've definitely exhausted ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Where can people find us? They can find us on Twitter at Dramas Overflow. They can find me. At not now, Saya. They can find me at Anisa Khalifa underscore. They can find me, Parva, at the Drama Notes. I changed my handle. They can also find us on our website, uh, dramasoverflowers.net. And on Facebook, just look up Dramas Over Flowers. And you can find us on Instagram at dramasoverflowers underscore. And you can email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. The link is in the description. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye, Bye <guys>. everyone. <laughs>